Thank you for listening to this production from New Life Presbyterian Church. If you'd like to find out more, visit newlifepca.org. You can open your Bibles to the book of Philippians this morning, Philippians chapter 4. I want to ask you this morning if you are content today. Are you content? Are you a content person? As we approach the Thanksgiving holiday, that's a good thing to think about because the more thankful we are, the more content we should be. If our hearts are filled with gratitude, it's really hard to be discontented, right? So um, a good question to ask is, am I a thankful person? Because if you are a thankful person, you should be a content person. But if you're not a content person this morning, it raises the question, are you a thankful person? So are you content today with the job that God has given you? Are you content with your bank account, checking balance and savings balance? Are you content with that? Are you content In your marriage, are you content in your singleness? Are you content with the place that God has put you in the house or the apartment that he's given you, the school that he's given you to study at, the city that he has placed you in? Are you you content in those places? Are you content with your personality, with your gift mix? with the talents that God has given you and maybe not given to you? Are, you? are you content with your body? Are you content with your church? <laughs> are you a content person? Before we come to the table here this morning, we are going to think about contentment, and we're going to look to um, a person who lived about 500 years ago and wrote this book called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment written by a guy named Jeremiah Burroughs. We call him a Puritan. The Puritans were around mostly in the 1600s, and the Puritans wrote in a way very rare throughout Christian history. It just seems like the Spirit of God was poured out on them to produce works that have um, lasted over the centuries and have continued to bless the church And this book appears in a series that are called Puritan Paperbacks. And there are multiple versions of these old Puritan writings that have been found and reprinted in these little paperbacks. And I would highly recommend them to you in this book in particular. Jeremiah Burroughs was a pastor in London. He was also a contributor to the Westminster Confession of Faith, which is the doctrinal standard that we hold to here in the PCA and in the Presbyterian Church, but this book in particular, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment, was a 225-page book written about one verse of Scripture. One verse, and that's Philippians 4.11. And so that's what we're going to read, and uh, just to get some context, I'll actually read verses 10 through 13 of Philippians chapter 4. So Paul says this. This is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, 
and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. God, would you please, by your spirit, open our hearts and minds to behold wonderful things in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, isn't this an interesting text? Most of you are probably familiar with that last verse, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Did you know that that comes to us in the context of seeking contentment? What Paul is saying here is that he has learned to do something that I think all of us would long to know how to do. That is, to be content, not just when things are going well, but when things aren't going so well. To be content in abundance, I think we all know how to do that. But how do you be content when you're hungry? How do you be content when you're in need? How do you be content when all your hopes are dashed? How do you be content when your dreams don't come true? How do you do that? Paul is telling us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that he has learned to do that. And that is something we should be encouraged by because he does say this is something he's had to learn. (laughs) Uh, We are to learn contentment, which implies that this is something that doesn't happen automatically. It takes time. And in fact, Jeremiah Burroughs in his book says this, there are many who are learning contentment all the days of their lives and yet are not proficient. Uh, that's, That's me. And maybe it's you also. Proficiency in contentment. So here's how Jeremiah Burroughs describes contentment, how he defines it. Christian contentment is that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. In every condition, in every circumstance. Now, I don't think what this means is that we should never aspire to move out of our current situation, whatever that is. In other words, I don't think what Paul means, nor uh, is it what Jeremiah Burroughs means, that we should never seek to find a new job, for instance, or that we should never change our major, or that we should never uh, hope to be married if we're single. I don't think that's what this means. What it means is that in whatever circumstance you find yourself in right now, today, whatever situation you are in, that you seek by the grace of God to submit and even to delight in the place or position where God has put you. That's Christian contentment. So how do we do this? I mean, that's the, the big question Is that possible, and what steps should we take to pursue that? And that's what this book is about. And this book gives hundreds of ways to do that. And I just want to share just just a few with you before we come to the table. So I've kind of tried to preserve the way this guy wrote. And, you know, some of you might be intimidated when you think of reading the Puritans because you think, oh, they wrote 500 years ago. They'll be impossible to read. No, that's actually not true. I mean, these guys mostly wrote in very clear and down-to-earth ways. But the way they wrote and the reflection and the, the profundity of what they wrote, so stimulating to the intellect, so warming to the heart. Again, I commend this to you. But I'm going to try to preserve the original language. I've cleaned it up just a little bit to help us understand. But here's the first thing uh, that I want to share with you from this book. Burroughs says this, Consider, first of all, the greatness of what we have and the smallness of what we lack. First step toward 
contentment. If you're a Christian, there might be many things that you don't have that you want, but what you do have as a Christian is much greater than anything that you lack. In the gospel, you have redemption through the blood of Jesus, the forgiveness of your trespasses. You have the inheritance, the promise of an inheritance that can never spoil nor fade. You have the promise of adoption into his family. You have the promise of God's full, loving acceptance now and forevermore. You have the promise of a resurrected body when Jesus returns again. You have the promise that all pains and anguish and illness and death will all be purged and washed away and eliminated so that your future is bright when Jesus returns again. All of these promises belong to us, and these spiritual blessings are great, so great that when we compare them to the things that we might lack, they should be brought into perspective, where we see that what we lack is very small compared to what we have. So Burroughs gives an example. He says, imagine that you spill a bucket of water in your kitchen, and it makes a mess of your kitchen. And it seems like such an overwhelming thing to have this entire bucket of water spilled. It seems like a big deal, but then you take that same bucket of water and you throw it into the ocean, and it's barely even noticed. And in the same way, we might be bothered by certain things we don't have on this earth, but he says, considered with the ocean of God's mercies, they are nothing in comparison. So consider the greatness of what we have and the smallness of what we lack. The second thing is this. Seek to fashion your heart to your circumstances and you will be just as content as if your circumstances were fashioned to your heart. So what he means is this. Sometimes we think that the only way we can be content is if our outward circumstances change. But what Burroughs says is, wait a minute, what if your heart changed, adjusted to your current circumstances? What if your circumstances and your heart were in sync and on the same level? That is Christian contentment, and that is certainly what Paul has in mind here in Philippians 4, when he talks about being content in whatever circumstance. So the question that we should ask is, Maybe what is required in my life right now is not a change of my circumstances, but a change in the attitude of my heart toward my circumstances. So Burroughs gives an example of this. He says, uh, imagine a child who's standing on a hill, and he's content on his hill, but then he begins to be discontent because he looks at another hill, and he imagines that if I were on that hill, I would probably be able to reach up with my fingers and touch the clouds. And so he gets off his hill, discontent, goes to the other hill, climbs up, and finds that he's just as far away from the clouds there as he was on the other hill. He had a change of circumstances, but it didn't help. If he had adjusted his heart to the place that he was, contentment would have been his. Third thing, there is often significant burden in an outwardly prosperous condition so here's what he meant here's what he means others who have what you might want might not be as happy as you think 
They might not have the contentment that you think they have, and you might not get the contentment that you want if you have what they have. Burroughs says this, A man may have a very fine new shoe, but nobody knows where it pinches him except the one who has it on. So you think certain men are happy, but they may have many troubles that you little think of. I mean, the Puritans are are like this. They use always these very common, down-to-earth, practical illustrations. He goes on and he speaks of the person, a servant, who wishes he were a king and is not content being a servant. And then he goes and talks to a king about how happy the king must be. And the king says, oh, that I had never been a king. Oh, that I had lived a private and solitary life all my days. Then I would be so much happier. Others might not be as happy as you think they are. Fourth thing, there is more good in contentment than in getting the thing that you think would cure your discontentment. There's more good in cultivating an attitude of contentment than in whatever you think is required to remove your discontentment. God is greatly pleased, friends, with a contented heart. It says in 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, Godliness with contentment is great gain. And so Burroughs elaborates on this, and, and he says this, you know, if you get the thing that you want, particularly if it's like a material, physical thing, and you long for it, and you want it, and then you get it, and then you find yourself content in it, don't you realize that what has just happened is that your soul has depended on a small, temporal, created thing for your contentment? And that you could not find contentment in God and needed something smaller and more insignificant? Is that something that a Christian should be happy about? He says this If you get the thing you want, your circumstance might be better, yes, but have you ever considered what the getting of that thing might do to your soul? Could it be that God has kept certain things from you because he knows what it would do to your soul? That some destructive force would enter into your soul and God loves you too much to allow that. He says this, if you get the thing you want, you might be content in one area of your life, but what will that do for other areas of your life? You get the thing in your family life that you've wanted, but then what about your professional life? Is the thing in your family life going to make you content in your professional life? There is more good in seeking contentment in the place that you are than in getting whatever it is you're thinking you need in order to not be discontent. Burroughs says this, If the Lord should give you thousands in this world, it would not be as rich as if he had given you a contented spirit. What a great gift a content spirit is from God. Last thing. A Christian can find contentment in every circumstance by bringing the strength of Jesus Christ into his own soul. And one way we do this is by coming to the Lord's table. This is a way in which we bring the gospel into our soul as we meditate and reflect on what Jesus has done for us. So Burroughs says this, ask these questions. He says, am I in poverty? Remember, Jesus had no place to lay his head. Have I been disgraced or dishonored? Remember, Jesus was criticized. Jesus was called all sorts of names. Jesus was rejected. They said Jesus had a devil in him. 
Am I inwardly troubled? Remember, Jesus hanging on the cross said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt abandoned and ignored and rejected by God. Am I in bodily pain? Remember how Jesus suffered great pain and tortures in his body, which he voluntarily took upon himself when he was crucified in your place. Burroughs says, meditate on these things. These are ways that we can bring the strength of Jesus into our souls. And that's what this table is about. This table points to the life, death, and resurrection, the sufferings of our Savior on our behalf. This is a sacrament. We call this um, a visible sign of an invisible grace. These visible things point to the gospel. This bread points to the body of Christ. This cup with the juice in it points to the blood of Christ. And as we take these elements together, the promise is that we can receive the strength of Jesus Christ into our souls that we might leave here content in the gospel. We're reminded and assured that there is no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. And if that is true, certainly, friends, we can be content.